Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon. Jared Brandon. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We're thrilled to death that you are listening to our show. This is a little bit of a special of a special one. An impromptu. Yeah, an impromptu. That's right. It's, it's, it's much fancier with the accent. Um, we we have to think of another uh, another color jacket to give to people oh, who have been yes. on like this many times. Yeah, I think we'll give them the gold yeah. LeMay jacket. Uh, gold LeMay. Yes, would you please introduce yourself? Hi, Jeff Schroeder, especially Pub Kids. I don't know how many, well, this is like the fifth time. I, I think, our, you, are, I think you might be, be on six. the six. Yeah. Six. But this is special <laughs> because this is... The second time in person. That's yeah. true. Because we did it with Drew in yeah. your previous location. Well, actually, we did a, a, a we did one in your very dressing sparse room. dressing room in um, up uh, north in Ohio. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So this right. is the third in person. This is the third in person. Second in studio. In, second in <laughs> studio. Thank you. Yes, we're losing some gravity of the situation. Really. Now, if you're on one more time, you get the gold lebe jacket as well as the pants. Yeah. <laughs> Total Elvis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Oh. Well, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yep. It's going to happen. Good. Yeah. Well, um, so, the, you know, you're here because um, the band that, you, that you, um, you're you kind of playing with right now. <laughs> yeah, for the last <laughs> 15 years. Yeah. yeah. So why don't you to just tell us about what's going on right now with that? Uh, we're just at the tail end of what um, we've called the Rock Invasion 2 tour, mm-hmm. um, which was actually originally scheduled to happen like March of 2020, I believe, or maybe April. Um, so finally uh, getting to it. And um, yeah, it's been great. And yeah. um, we've played a few um, big festivals and we have one on Sunday in Chillicothe, Illinois, which yeah. is near Peoria, um, which should be interesting because it's more like a it's like a weird EDM jam band festival and <laughs> why they wanted us to come play to bring our yeah. dark cloud to their good time. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But hey, we're, we're, um, we're, we're kind of looking forward to it. Yeah. And, um, so between playing some big festivals, we've been playing some of our own solo shows in between and took a little trip down to Mexico, which right. was awesome. So, uh, I think it's, it was really good for us to kind of gum and get our feet wet again before we launch into our big arena rock tour in the fall with Jane's Addiction. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I guess for those who maybe for some reason haven't heard any of the other five episodes, (laughs) four or five episodes, uh, Jeff, uh, explain what you do. Um, I guess I'm, well, I'm one of the guitar players in the band and, um, Smashing yeah. Pumpkins. Smashing Pumpkins, yes, yes, yes in yeah. the Smashing Pumpkins. But also, you know, do um, I have some side projects, one which is called uh, Night Dreamer, and then I've been releasing some solo music. And actually, since I moved back to L.A., I guess it's been two years, um, but I've been actually producing um, quite a few bands, and so that, stuff, um, that stuff's coming out. Awesome. Um, actually, my old band, the Lassie Foundation, my old kind of uh, noise pop shoegaze band is... Um, We've been on a campaign um, of re-releasing all our old albums, getting them remastered and putting up on streaming because they were, um, I guess, semi-owned by all these small indie labels in the 90s that have, for the most part, gone out of business. And so we actually had a hard time tracking everybody down and Mm -hmm. getting the rights. And um, so we've finally done all that and getting everything remastered and pressed on vinyl. So we've done the first two releases. And um, 
strangely, like, I mean, we had no idea what the response would be. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the last thing we wanted to do was, print, as you know, print up a bunch of vinyl and then have it sit in someone's garage for the next 10 right. years. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? So we decided to do a Kickstarter and um, we were just, you know, overwhelmed by the response. So um, it was great. So um, in since the response was so great, we kept on doing like kind of these stretch goals. And so we've actually recorded a live EP of some old material that just came oh, out. Right. And then oh, nice. we're recording um, a new uh, EP of new music as well. So that's been really rewarding, really fun. So, And the response to that has been great. Um, and it's uh, that's been really nice to kind of reconnect my past with the mm-hmm. present. So it's just lots of good stuff going on right yeah. now. Yeah, You know, so many people in life right now, and I can only say that based on my age and everything, you know, we started out everybody cut their teeth on something and there's all kinds of music that was in that the never was big enough to get necessarily released and also was too far before the digital wave. So there's so much music out there. That's just, just kind of laying in this nether world of uh, what do you do? How do you get it? What do you do with it? Yeah, that's that's kind of what happened. I mean, we released those records on... There was a label out of Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, that, that put it out. And then they sold all their catalog to some entity. And so someone else was, like, putting this stuff up digitally. But we weren't, you know, of course, getting any of the money from it. And the one record, Pacifico, actually... I mean, we figured we must have sold, like, eight to 10,000 copies of that record. And, of course, never saw a dime from yeah. it and that kind of stuff. So mm. it was just... One of the, so we were just like, hey, let's... Let's track it all down and and um, release it properly, and then you know we'll at least own it for the rest of our lives. That's cool. So it's been really nice. Yeah, and then in you know, and then after we started doing that, this this really cool label from Japan, um, a record store in Japan, was wanted to. Um, they were like, "Hey, we would like to do some pressings of this one re- uh, one of our later records," and so lots of good stuff, lots of good energy happening. Because I think because of digital streaming and all these different genres and all these catalogs being available. So if there's a kid who's like, hey, I'm really into shoegaze music and after you exhaust My Bloody Valentine and Ride and, you know, Slow Dive, you start digging for more and you're like, oh, there's this band and this band and this band. So we're seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of interest from, you know, not just our peers, but from younger people as well. So it's, it's pretty cool. You think that there's touring interest in the future? No, not on my part. <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, Smashing Pot is, 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 is enough. And, you know, as is, is, is great as it is to play with the guys, you know, in the band, like, I'm really the only one that's a professional musician. So every, they all have regular day jobs and stuff. Right. It's just a lot to even get together to play. To do it. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Or to get anything finished, you know what I mean? Because I'm really the only one working on music full time. Um, right. Frank the drummer does full time. He's you know he, yeah, Frank he, the drummer. He, Frank the drummer. He he's actually a full time musician too and he you know so he has his own studio so he yeah. you know but everybody else like I said they you know they're working 9 to 5s and stuff. So I think it's it's pretty unrealistic, you sure. know, with the cost of living you just have to go out and play to no people. And sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you you mentioned solo work. Tell us about that. Yeah, um I released one song almost, it's about a year ago now, and I would had planned on to do more, but then I got sidetracked doing other things. Um, so I have, um, a, a base, I'm going to release a five-song EP by the end of summer. 
Yeah. Yeah. That one was, uh, I, you, the name is tricky for me to uh, pronounce. It's called Hanim, which means the sun in Korean. Right. Yeah. And it was influenced by the, a Korean band, was it? Oh, it's a that... cover of a, of a, a basically a Korean psych folk song. Okay. Um, um, yeah. By this, it was written by um, the guitarist Shin Jun Hyung, and he was kind of like, I guess, to you know, to use an analogy, he's like the Jimi Hendrix of South Korea, and nice. you know, he so he was one of the first like rock and roll guitar players, and is really the kind of the defining figure of the the Korean psych sound. Mm. And so he put out a lot. He had his own bands, and he put out lots of. Um, solo music, but he also produced and wrote for other people. So that song in particular was for a uh, female, um, a woman named um, Kim Jung-mi, and uh, what's that album called Now? Yeah. And um, that's the first song on the record. So mm. it's this really cool kind of psych folk kind of it, thing. It really was. It's like that's one that you can you just like sit and listen to. It's, yeah, the original is all acoustic. Yeah. Oh, know? really? And, and, and yeah, yeah. So, but I always heard it and I was like, oh, I know I can, I, yeah. can, I would always hear it and go, I can do this full blown, fuzzed out shoegaze <laughs> version of this song. And so. Well, it, it's, what, what I found interesting was I could hear basically what you just said is like, if, if left to your own devices, to do something like you really like opened up the box on that one. Yeah. And you know, and that's, um, such an interesting thing about songwriting and producing and just recording is, is, you know, in the DNA of songs, there's all these other versions, you know, in, in it. And, you know, and that's part of kind of like the, uh, sometimes a band's work, right. Is, you know, oftentimes someone in the band, like saying pumpkins, Billy will bring in a song, and he's just written it on piano or acoustic guitar, and mm-hmm. you ha- part of the work of the band is finding out what is the coolest version of that song, you mm-hmm. know, and it could be done in you know twenty different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that you know many songs have different, all these different kind of you know other lives. <laughs> now, do you prefer or or do you find it equally as as rewarding to do everything yourself, have complete control, or to collaborate? Um, I like both. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that as an artist, I like having um, the space to do both. Sometimes, you know, I think it's really healthy for me, you know, to have my own creative space where I call all the shots and I get to do whatever I want and, you know, for better or for worse. And I don't really have to put the pressure on it if it's like to make like a living from it or anything. It's mm-hmm. just purely... I'm doing it just for me. Yeah. And that feels really nice, you know. And then I love, like, producing other bands where I'm just making suggestions and then they take a suggestion and just, you know, run with it or or put their own spin on it. Or um, I've been doing a lot, too, because I'm in the studio so much in L.A. that I just end up playing a lot of people's tracks. So I've been doing a lot of that, too. Mm -hmm. I've been, like, on four or five songs that are coming out by other bands just because I'm there and my friend owns a studio. And he'll be like, oh, I'm mixing this song for this band that needs a solo. Do you mind playing on it? And I'll be like, yeah, of course. So <laughs> that's really fun, too. Like, I really love being able to do stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I like it all. Cool. I like I like to, and, it, and it's, you know, it's what's been really been interesting is because I've put so much focus only on the pumpkins, you know, the last 15 years of my life. And then, so then doing Night Dreamer was great with Mindy because that was totally different energy, you know, and, um, 
And then working with other bands is really refreshing to see how other bands work as well. well. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure the variety keeps it very interesting for you. Yeah, it's- yeah, and I think it's good because I think if you get too set in your ways, especially as you get older, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, you know, usually it's not a good thing. No. <laughs> no. So I like being exposed to, to see how other people like to work as well. And yeah. Cool. Night Dreamer really mm-hmm. caught me by the whatever's I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's a good thing to say <laughs> the really uh grabbed my attention we'll just yeah. say that yeah yeah and um you know I was when that came out it, it was it was exciting to hear it felt it felt like it had a, a a kind of a new uh there's a lot of different influences in that yeah yeah and it also felt very malleable you could you could put that in between so much different kinds of music. Yeah. Um, and actually went out and was able to catch a show in, yeah, in Los Angeles, yeah, yeah. which was, which was really cool. And it was interesting because I think we're, uh, at least I am. And these guys are used to seeing like the show, you know, the, the big smashing pumpkins yeah, thing. Yeah. And, you know, you had a you were running around with a laptop, and you had a LED uh, net in the back, and yeah. it was it felt it felt uh, really interesting and unique. Like you were really working that. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting night that you said because you know we played actually two shows that night. Yeah, you ran from <laughs> another show. Yeah, we had to, we opened for Peter Hook at the Wiltered. You right. know, so we played in front of like two twenty five hundred people. And then ran across town and played a club show for like oh, wow. two hundred people. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, so that was that was fun. No, that and I, you know, and, and you know, it's obviously hard for me to maintain other projects because of I can't always really commit much time mm-hmm. because I'll say like, yeah, I'm available to do all this stuff, and then you know, Smashing Pumpkins calls and be like, hey, you're doing this and doing this and doing this, and that's always going to take precedent as it should do you know what i mean so, right well and aside from touring you got all the press and, and shows and, and recording schedule i mean we just did a 33 song record so you imagine yeah. how long a 33 song record um takes you know what i mean so um yeah I, I really loved playing in that band and i hope that we can do stuff in the future because i really loved you know at the at the very tail end we were able to add even a keyboard player too and i felt like that was the perfect comment he ran the tracks yeah the keyboards and i really liked having so I got a different type of three piece. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Really fun, really, because, you know, I still played all the guitar live. You know what I mean? And, right. Um, but it was a different kind of guitar. Yeah. It was like, uh, it wasn't, <clears throat> you know, crazy flourishing leads at all. It was it was actually like felt very restrained, which is, yeah. I likened it a little bit to some of the EDM music um, mm-hmm. that I particularly favor, like No Mana and um, Black Gummy and, and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And there's a there's a little bit of a, a restraint. It's just not, you know, hey, here's the Gonzo guitar stuff. Um, and even the music that you were creating in her voice, I think early on I said, you know, I was like, I could absolutely see you guys walking on stage, you know, if if like Dead Mouse mixed that or something like yeah, that. Like, yeah. That would be ridiculous. No, that was the you know, the goal was to be like like be in the moment, be whatever, 2019 is what it was, yeah. you know what I mean? Like just be mm-hmm. in the present and, and just, um, and for me as a guitar player, it was really fun to kind of like, well, how can I 
voice would I do against this backdrop that's more contemporary, mm-hmm. you know, rather than a traditional guitar, bass, and drums, you know what I mean? So yeah. had to play totally different, totally different set of guitar sounds, you know, I really, it was, so it was really fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I hope that you guys are able to kickstart yeah. a little bit, something more in the future, because I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Personally. But, yeah. Um, so one thing that you mentioned, um, and I think maybe we can talk about the, you know, this new album a little bit, but you said something about um, when you come in and, and, you know, if, if Billy's got a, a song um, to bring in and you guys have to figure out what are all the, what are all the threads that are weaving this, uh, this, you know, musical tapestry, if you will. And um, I'm just curious, do you find that with the type of music that you're doing and you are now one, two, three, four, five, six piece, correct? Uh, really five piece. Five? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're not carrying the keyboards no, this time? No, okay. no, no, yeah. Jimmy and I actually are just at fun, fun songs, like we're both playing keys a bit. Okay, cool. Yeah. So um, do you think, uh, sometimes we hear like, oh yeah, that song happened in 10 minutes. I went to the bathroom, wrote it, and I came back out and there it was, poof, mm-hmm. you know, or... Um, are they like time frame? How does that work with you? Oh, I would say like on pumpkins, things evolve over months now, you know, especially the bigger the project there's like, um, you know, I'm sure Billy has his original demo, which is going to be like acoustic or piano. Right. And then there's like the first demo, which is going to be some kind of drum machine, basic thing. And then that gets sent, sent out to like James and I, and then we'll, you know, add like things on top of that. And then it'll be like, okay, we're moving beyond the demo. Now we're doing like the record, like the real version where you try and point the ship in the right direction. And so I would say then we went through for like, say on this new record, all the songs. And then as soon as we went through, like, say like the real version once, Mm -hmm. you know, Billy went and retooled like 12 of them. Cause he was like, this is still isn't working. You know what I mean? And we got to like figure, you know what I mean? And he would go, I want to, take this and take that, but I'm going to redo this and redo that. And, you know, let's chop up the drums and process them this way. And then, so, I mean, we're talking like evolution over to the last minute. Right. Yeah. Sort of, um, kind of the old school way of doing things. Like that's how a lot of the greatest albums that we know of. Yeah. They're very much studio creations, not, not against the backdrop of a band playing in the room. You know I mean? I think that's, Bands play like that early on, but then as you get kind of beyond that, you end up using the studio as a as the creative space. Good. Yeah. That was actually my next question. Is that yeah. is that being done all in the studio time? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Even if it wasn't for COVID, I don't think we'd spend much time in the room jamming together. Sure. Yeah. Mm. Anymore. Do you find uh, when you're playing those uh, those songs live? Um, are there some changes even from the recorded versions or? Yeah, absolutely. Cause once you're playing in front of people, they don't always translate one-to-one. And so you have to find like, you have to either restrain certain things or mm. exaggerate certain elements or, you know, play things slightly differently. So there always is the, the live interpretation, you know, like actually on this tour, we've been playing a song called, um, black forest, black Hills off of Seer. And, um, you know, the studio version, I don't know if it even has any, I don't think it has any guitar on it. I think it became an all synth song. Mm-hmm. But live, we're playing it with three guitars. 
and it's super cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. It's, and it's not, and again, it's not like one is better than the other. It's, it's just different. different. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what I mean. Like each song has, can, can exist in, in multiple lives. Yeah. So is, yeah. is the result of playing together for so long, uh, keep three guitarists from stepping on each other's parts? Do you think? I think, you know, why it just kind of works in this band is we're all different. You know, we're all, you know, I guess we're similar in a way that we come from a similar um, era and we kind of understand and hear music, you know, in a similar way. But then we also have like our strengths, you know, and so we tend to try to let everybody emphasize their strengths since you have three people, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where it, so then usually that makes it like pretty obvious who's going to do what. Do you mind like uh, talking about those strengths a little bit? Well, you know, like, um, any, you know, like James is so great at doing like off the wall, atmospheric, like left of center kind of stuff that really kind of makes, so if we're playing something kind of heavy, it makes that something heavy sound like weird and cyber and psychedelic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so... Um, obviously if it's something more of like, like a full blown, like more like in super intense metal kind of lead or something, I usually do stuff like that. And you know what I mean? And, um, play like more kind of melodic counterpoints to what Billy does. Like if he's singing and someone's playing something, I'll, you know, often play counter to what he's doing, you know? And then obviously Billy has his thing, which is, you know, really what the band's guitar sound is built around, you Mm -hmm. know, his, his style. Yeah. Well, I have always, I think, Tony, that was a good question because at at the heart, each of you three um, are pretty stellar lead players. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, sometimes it can be tricky, even if you're listening, like, who's doing what? Yeah. And uh, and the, the, the rhythms are even really complex. So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's I, I can only imagine that that takes a great amount of time. Um, and familiarity to to be able to dance like that without yeah. without doing yeah. that yeah you know and I've been playing with Billy for so long now that like when we especially live when we double rhythms it's like I can I can double him like pretty tight because I'm just used to the his yeah. like like playing his, his rhythm style because that's you know that's a big part of the band when you're playing something like cherub rock it's like having like you got to play in sync. Yeah, you can't be doing your own thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, I mean he can. If he, if yeah. He yeah. Well, and he's singing. You know, so with, like in our ears, you know, because we're on in ears. Like, I have him. You know, like panned, like hard right. You know, almost hard right, hard left. So I can really hear it. So I can lock in with what he's doing. Then have kind of more James up the middle. So mm-hmm. yes, but if we're both playing something really rhythmically that needs to be tight, I can really. You know, I'm, yeah. I can hear it in stereo, yeah. so I can really lock in. I would imagine that with every tour you go out on, there are certain songs that you look forward to playing maybe more than others. I'm not saying that all your children aren't equally loved, um, but is there a particular song that on the tour right now that you just absolutely get a rush on when you're like, oh, here we go, we're going to do this one? Um yeah, I love, like, we've been playing, since actually we started playing in September, we've been playing Quiet off of Siamese Dream, and that oh, one's man. really fun. Big. Um, that is a yeah, force. Yeah, that one's so fun to play. And then we've been doing this um, kind of fun cover of Once in a Lifetime by the Talking Heads. Oh. 
<laughs> but super doom like heavy. It does. I mean, musically, it's not. It doesn't sound the same at all. It's just the same lyrics. Basically. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> it's interesting to hear, specifically on Quiet. I'm just going to touch on this one moment. Jimmy Chamberlain is my favorite drummer of all time. Period. Well, story. He's, I mean, uh, um, you know, literally. I mean, I hate to. You know, you know, I'm not just because biased because you know I play with him, but he's one of the greatest rock and roll drummers ever. Yeah. I might have scared him because the last time we met, I couldn't. I, I was like, I just got to, I got to say, you're my drum was it, was hero Was it a Chris guy. Farley moment? <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt bad, but I was like, well, I, you, you know, you, you've, your music has made a huge impact on me. I wanted to share that. Anyways, I think it is, it's um, in particular that song, as it, it is a just dragster of guitar, right? It's just oh, yeah. blazing. And I and every time I listen to that, I'm, I still find myself to be a little bit surprised because in the middle of that dragster, here comes Jimmy with this with this snare, just crack 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 crack, crack and it, somehow he's cutting through all of that. It's, it's always it's impressive to hear hitting that. the snare very hard, wow, man, <laughs> and quick. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. <laughs> No, and 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 the way, like I mean, you know, a lot of it just is is his tone. Yeah. You know, the way he hits the drums, it's just exquisite tone, yeah. always, for, always. Yeah. yeah. Well, we also have a lot of bass players on the show. Can you tell us about Jack a little bit? Um, Jack is, you know, I you know, very flies under the radar, but I think if you listen to maybe older Pumpkins live. Versus, you know, this war era, you know, obviously our, our tempos are a lot more contained. And I think Jack, um, number one, really his time is so steady that he's actually kind of like a human metronome for Jimmy to kind of. So Jimmy's a lot freer to to play whatever he wants because he doesn't he, he's got Jack there to lock in on time. Uh, right. So as a rhythm nice. section, it, it really keeps things like super solid and so then the guitars really can sit on top of that super solid foundation yeah and then i think that the second thing that really which maybe people wouldn't understand is you know because pumpkins we like to play heavy but we're not a heavy metal band right. and then i think it comes down to the fundamental feel of in the dna of the band is that marriage of kind of post-punk new wave and heavy guitar and if you listen to that kind of music new wave music the driving eighths, where say metal is more on the backside, like kind of that Zeppelin, Sabbath kind of thing. New wave is very kind of front pushed. Mm-hmm. You know, do 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 do. Just mm-hmm. a little more on the front. And since, you know, Jack plays obviously his dad is Peter Hook from Joy Division and New Order, and he plays that music in his dad's band. He really has that feel. Mm-hmm. So he plays heavy with the new way feel, which is like, that's the winning combination for Smashing Pumpkins. And and again, like, so even if someone's going like, oh, it's simple, it's just following the guitar, it's not as simple as you would think to make a band sound great. Right, and, yeah. and that's and probably to, something that you right. really needed there. You didn't need a fourth guitar player. No, no, but it's gotta have that, the feel, the, t- the, the pushes have to be in the right places. The way you kind of feel that eighth note pulse has yeah. to be the right way. That's cool. That's yeah. Cool. Now you mentioned your new album. Do do we have a title yet? No, I don't anyway. <laughs> Billy probably does in his head, but you know that I don't know it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah, nothing. It's like the record is basically just done. 
Do you know what I mean? And is yeah. in the process of being mixed. So it's like, it's still, it's not like, hey, it's at the presses. Or sure, anything sure, like sure. So, um, yeah. Is there, a, can you give us any kind of um, description or or liken it to anything that you've already done? I would say that it's, it, it is very a, um, in one way, it's a very modern Smashing Pumpkins record, like, say, like, Sear. Mm-hmm. But with more, even more diversity, you know, in terms. So it's like, and then old school in the way that it has a lot of different types of songs. But it's still very much. It's not a throwback record by any stretch of the imagination. But it has like heavy songs, super electronic songs, mellow songs, like everything right. in between. So it's it was designed to be that kind of record where it would really have this really broad width of 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 styles and motions and you know, tones and textures right. and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm. You just are gonna. You're gonna lead me into a question about uh, instrumentation in a second. But I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Like, 33 songs. Uh huh. It's a lot for a for a single output. Couldn't um, you get done a third more so you'd have 33 and a third? Yeah. <laughs> I know. What, what extra one? Yeah. Like a little te- like a hidden track. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there uh, other than just the idea that this is a some sort of a concept or a or a held moment in time? Is that why wouldn't you split that up into like a couple of releases? Um, because I think there is a there is a story. It okay. is a concept album. Gotcha. Yeah, I can dig it. Okay. Yeah. And will we hear some of those uh, at your show tonight? No, ah. no, no, no. We're not playing anything new yet. <laughs> no, but that means in the future. In we the will. future, we will. That's right. Yeah. By Great. the fall, I think so for sure. Absolutely. If not, there's a big problem. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Now, uh, last time that I saw you guys live, um, mm-hmm. you had all the amps and everything under stage. Yeah. Clean stage look. Is that still? Have you been do- touring I was that way? Ask that too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we're still. We use amps and cabinets and stuff, but we just have them in ISO isolation nice. boxes mm-hmm. off stage, just so he has a. A clean stage, which is better for singing because there's no noise getting in the vocal mic right. and drums. Well, visually, yeah, I think that's that was very impressive. Well, sometimes we kind of miss, like, you know, we talk about, like, well, should we just get fake walls? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> of, of the ants, because, you know, we kind of miss having the look. You know what I mean? But um, but for sound and sonics, and honestly, for the drums, because there's, you can use overhead mics and stuff because there's no... Right. So there's you get, like, a, yeah, so for front of house, they really love it, you know what I mean? So... Yeah. Um, and one thing I like about from at least from what I've seen about this particular show, the, the tour that you're doing is, you know, on the previous one, there was all kinds of fantastic things all over the stage. And that became part of the entire show. But this one is is basically almost it's just light. Yeah, it's old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's really no cool. extra production, like no video, no visuals. But, off, you know, that in the. You know, in that shiny tour, I mean, we're playing three hours and 20 minutes. Mm. So you had to have, sure. you know, something. This is like, you know, we're like hour 40 to two hours, depending on what the curfew is. Right. You know, so. Because I, I didn't realize, you know, we, I think going into this, we didn't realize all these places were outdoor. You mm-hmm. know, and outdoor places always had like a fairly early curfew because yeah. of noise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, instrumentation wise. Where uh, your instrument? Oh me! Yeah, your your gear choices. Where where? Well, one thing I actually switched. I'm you know on this tour I've I'm using um, new amps, and so that's like kind of the biggest change. And I'm using um, the Rev Generator 120, uh-huh. which is like 
uh, fantastic, super modern, you know, all the bells and whistles, four channel, high gain head. So it has like, you know, channel one is like a fendery, sparkly clean. Then channel two is like more of like the vintage voice, like say like, like Plexi to JCM 800. And then mm -hmm. channels three and four are just like full blown, like ultra, like saturated high gain. And um, each channel has quite a bit of kind of like a boogie or something like that where it has quite a bit of um, like push button functions like, you know, high, cut, fat, you know, that's right. you can add all these different things. So, and, and then the head is all MIDI, so you can have all this programmed in presets and stuff as well. And another fantastic thing about it is it has a two notes torpedo load box built in so you don't even have to plug the head into a cabinet oh right wow. so you can go directly at it and, and load it comes with you know really great impulse responses from two notes and stuff already built in but you can also use your own as well mm. and yeah so actually my ears i monitor off the two notes off the impulse response because i have a cabinet and mic combination that i really love it's super consistent sounds exactly the same every night and it sounds awesome Cool. Yeah. It is sounds it, exactly the same as when I'm at home. You know right, I mean? right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? That's what you want. Yeah, so it's, that is, you know, to me, the marriage of, of the best of analog and digital. You're getting full tube, you know, transformer, everything, the amp working, saturation, which it, honestly there's still nothing like it, you know, but then you get the control of the, you know, having like something like, you know, uh, impulse response type of cabinet because right. honestly, you know, um, I really don't love the sound of the cabinet in the ISO box because, you know, you're putting a super loud cabinet in a road case with foam. It mm. has all these weird reflections. You know, it's really a compromise. And so I feel like the impulse response is not a compromise. It's actually very high fidelity. And what's getting fed to the board? Both. Okay. So, I, you know, the salmon, he gets to choose whatever he wants. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. I think that's um, it's an interesting point that you made because I think that's where a lot of people get hung up. It's the, why would I, why would I take something that is tube driven, run it in and run it into digital? Um, because there's, it, it's like that, am, am I not just killing the thing that I am trying to, to yeah, maintain? Yeah. Um, Honestly, in my my opinion, it sounds better than, you know, the mic'd cabinet in the ISO box. <laughs> totally fair. You know what I mean? Totally it fair. sounds, you know, it sounds a lot better, a lot better in my opinion. Well, you brought up another yeah. good point, which is especially for you, because you're playing, you know, stadiums and, yeah. and stuff where if, if you're playing at home, you're going to have a, it's going to be a completely different, not only physical response to it, but sonic differently it's just it's it's going to be completely different um and for people that are trying to practice in their home and then maybe going to a rehearsal band rehearsal and then are out gigging that's three potentially different types of response that you're getting yeah so whatever you had set up on your on your amp and your pedals um in your house or wherever you might be working to create and probably can't go full blown, you know, show volume, even if it's just a gig, um, then showing up at the gig and you're like, Oh, you have to turn everything up. Well, that's going to affect everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, that is a tricky thing. I kind of struggle with a little bit. 
Yeah, well, especially if your amp is, you know, very much going to change the sound depending on where the volume knob is. Yeah. You know, on an amp like that I'm using, because it's so much preamp driven and the power amp is actually very clean, it's less than you would think. You know what I mean? Um, so obviously the way the speaker pushes is different. Yeah, I was just going to ask, know, do you yeah. miss that that you know buckle of the back of your knees? That I mean, should... sometimes, but we've been on in-ears for so long mm. that I'm just used to hearing. You know, that's the thing is, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you know, what amp you're using, what type of amp, standing in front of it versus hearing it through a, a microphone through either a pair of studio monitors or headphones or in-ears is two completely different experiences. You know, the, if you're playing a bigger place, the audience is hearing a mic, the mic'd cabinet. They're not hearing the sound off the stage really, right? Yeah. So, um, I think you just got to, as a professional, you just got to get used to that's, that's, you have to learn. That's like a big part of learning, like how to make sure your sound is translating out front, Mm -hmm. you know? And so having something like the two notes built in the head gives me actually, I'm, I'm getting to translate the sound that I really want Mm -hmm. to front of house because I can sit there and go, well, I know what it's sounding like out there. Right. You know, closer, closer than like, Hey, oh man, my God, this sounds great. But then. You know, what mics, I mean, a mic is basically a big EQ unit, radically changes the sound yeah, of right. what people hear, radically. Yeah. Now, when you're in the studio, are you uh, using the direct out or are you, are you recording off, I've off speakers? Usually, I've used the head in sessions and we just use the direct out. <laughs> we, do. <laughs> we do. That's easy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We do we usually use the direct out. But in this, but you know, on this pumpkin, I use a lot of combo amps and stuff. So most, mm. you know, and then we're just miking stuff too. So yeah. yeah. How about guitars? Um, still using all Yamahas. I, you know, um, there's such a. I just love my my relationship with them has been just incredible. You know, just great. And um, I'm very lucky in that um, I get to, you know, play whatever I want. They they build me things to my specifications they work on vintage guitars for me that I've pick up along the way so I, you know I'm very lucky and fortunate and they've treated me so great over the years and um so it's fun for me you know so I'm using um my Pacificas still you know that that my custom Pacificas but um a lot on this tour actually they just came out with the new version of the Revstar which is like a double cut right um you know, type of guitar, and the ones I'm using have two humbuckers, and um, they're the new design is incredible. I mean, much, much, a, a huge improvement over the first. You know, and I li- and I liked some of those, but these are incredible guitars. What kind of improvement? Um, like feel, you know, kind of that. Um, I guess what I would call ergonomics. Sure. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that's you know, it's, that's they they are they. Still as chunky. I found them to be a little on the chunky side. I don't think so. I feel like the the neck is pretty thick, you know what I mean? But that's probably why they sound pretty good, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I, I tend to think thicker necks do have like a, a you know, that's people think a lot of the body. I think, you know, the neck is a big part of mm-hmm. like kind of the fundamental tone. Um, the way it balances, the way that it kind of moves across the body, so the kind of left to right hand connection is is sure. very natural, feels really good. The weight is is actually good. 
Um, and they're because they're chambered now. And so I think they're, they don't feel as chunky yeah. on you. Yeah. So they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're chambered. And then I have one of the, I think it's called the premiere, the middle series. Um, and then I have one, which is called the, the professional series, which is the ones made in Japan. And the one made in Japan, they do some type of treatment to the wood. It's supposed to make it like it's been played for, you know, oh, a few, few yeah. thousand hours. And they actually has a couple, in addition to the chambers, they put these um, kind of t- t- like some type of metal-based rods inside that kind of shape the EQ and tone of the kind oh. of the bridge. And I, I mean, I honestly think it makes a difference because it, you know, I mean, um, because the two guitars are identical, other than, you know, the 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 wood treatment and the tone rods, and I think you know it does have like that that other like that five percent more of articulation. Right. As you guys know, as players, that five percent is the hardest to get. Yeah, yep. you know, what I mean, and what's that worth to some people when you're playing on a big stage with three guitar players and you want Every that? Cl- yeah, yeah. It, it, it it's worth it. You know, what I mean, that's what you're paying all this like these you know using these super expensive amps and these guitars because that five to ten percent more of clarity is everything yeah mm-hmm. you know that makes a sound man love or hate you aesthetically but, is that the same there are the guitars a little bit bigger the body is, is a little bit little bit bigger but I, but generally looks the same cool like you know maybe most people on this route would be like wouldn't totally notice but it, yeah. the body is is bigger, but they sound phenomenal. And then I got the, oh, I was telling you guys about, but I had, yeah, been told, you know. <laughs> and then I have a, um, a, it's was, you know, somewhere 66 to 68, they built this model. It's a Yamaha SG2, which is basically an offset kind of surf guitar thing that they made in the 60s that actually Link Ray used to play them. Oh, okay. So if you ever watch any Link Ray videos. The SG2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it was Drew Foppy, my, you know, my previous tech. Um, hi, Drew. I love Drew. And he, he actually, <laughs> we all love Drew. he hit me up and he's like, dude, um, this guy in Arizona, because that's where Drew lives, has, has, says selling this guitar and it's a steal, blah, 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 blah. I said, yeah, just buy it. I'll pay you back, whatever. Um, so he s- shipped it to me, had no frets, you know, um, the, uh, paint was all stripped off. It needed a lot of work. And, um, so I sent it to Yamaha. They refretted it for me. We put jum- <laughs> jumbo stainless steel. Oh yeah. Right. Um, yeah. so it, it, you know, it plays incredible. They potted the pickups, uh, cause they were, you know, not potted. potted. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, the one thing that, as I mentioned to you guys, you know, off air, we decided to put them, since we were refinishing the guitar, we decided to put a modern tremolo system. So we use the descendant, you know, jazz master style mm-hmm. tremolo and it stays in tune phenomenal. And it, the guitar honestly sounds incredible. That's I have cool. to say like the pickups, like when, um, the Yamaha custom shop, when they finished, they were like. Holy smokes! Like these pickups, whatever's going on. Oh, the, and they kept the original pickups. Everything, even the wiring, the tone, pop, oh, wow. everything. The, everything is original. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you, I, you can maybe explain to like probably what's going on there, but I had the same <laughs> thing with uh, an old Tysco that was the shark fin Tysco. Yeah. And they yeah. were single coil, about that same size. And the same experience. I I didn't expect the full thick juicy sound for lack of better terms 
out of those pickups that I did. And so that's kind of a similar. Exactly. Like, I'm like it's what's ha- going on with the these? guitar sounds clean, super clear, bell like articulate vibe, but distorted. It sounds big and fat and warm and I, it, it well, just aesthetically, sh- it looks it's it's one of the few I think that feels modern at the same time because there it's a little bit more choiceful because some of the the Japanese guitars at that oh, point yeah, were yeah, all yeah. over the place and they, they <clears throat> uh, some of the design decisions they they maybe you know weren't editing as much they were just everybody's yeah. trying to get something new and weird but that is a beautiful looking guitar <laughs> yeah and the neck is like a slight V. You know what I mean? Like a lot of Japanese yeah. guitars from that period, you know, it's got a slight, it's not a C, it's more of a V. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, most of those that I've owned from that era or have a, I would call it a D because <laughs> the necks are so thick. No, on it's actually fairly small and thin. And well, Yamahas yeah, have yeah, always yeah, been that yeah, way. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's a cool What color guitar. did you refinish it? It's like a, um, a matte copper. Ooh, yeah, oh, Yeah, it looks cool. Looks cool. Matte copper. Yeah. Okay. It's like a like a matte copper penny. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. Uh, hey, that's you know, my but, stage name, Matt Copperpenny. Matt Copperpenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I, I've kind of been doing a lot of, like, my Pacificas kind of have those colors and stuff, so I wanted to kind of continue. So when they feel, look at the rack, they all kind of yeah. look like they go together. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Super cool. Creates a nice color palette. Right on. Well, we don't want to take too much of your time, um, but uh, if you, if there's anything else that you had to uh, to say, no. get off your chest. I, got, well, okay, I, I mean, quit. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. okay. No, it's just honestly just fun to hang out with you guys and cool. oh, and talk you. about music. Yeah. Oh, well, and thanks whatever. for coming in. We, yeah. I mean, we really enjoy having you. No, yeah. I love it. Cool. That's what I mean. That's why I said, like when I came and said, no, we got to do it. Yeah. Let's do it. I appreciate it. that. No. I really do. And I know that our audience does too. And not only because, you know. Oh, you know what I got to tell yeah. you, you know, oh, the, um, you know, the fuzz pedal. Yeah. That you guys made. The fez. Yes. The fez. Credible sounding, credible sounding pedal. Oh, right on. Thanks, man. Yeah. Use it all the time. That is super cool. And we're mm. working on we're working on Fez two right now. <laughs> um, I don't know and if it's, it's going to beat actually, the first one. It, it's a good pedal. Well, only in it, it's got it's got more control. So we're we're trying to we're we're giving it a little bit more functionality, and it's going to be in it's uh, going to be flocked in hot pink in oh in honor of our friend Jeff here because he was the first one that that got to play it. So yeah. Uh, anyways. I like it. Uh, we've got a little Would You Rather, I think, Jared. So on this special episode, we're going to do a, <laughs> a special Would You Rather. And it's, trust me, it's special. Would you rather. So. So silky. There's yes. there's two dimensions. You've got dimension A and dimension B. you got to play a gig. And you can choose the dimension you want. So the first gig dimension that you a. can choose it's a high paying corporate kid, seven grand each. But <laughs> you're going to be in an 80s band set. So you're, you got to wear the silver spandex with ankle bracelets, white high top tennis shoes. Okay, 80s hard rock metal. Yeah. Hard rock metal. Okay. Like it's, the big it's, hair, yeah. the see through net shirt. Yeah. Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. And you have, and you can use any equipment you want. Yes. Or, or, the other dimension that you would take in the other world you live in, it would be in a free show, 
it's like a homecoming free show, but you're going to be with your very first band you were ever with, <laughs> with the same equipment that uh, you actually had in real life, and you're going to play in front of 10,000 people. Oh. Hmm. So, so a club one, gig or 10,000? With the original equipment that you... Right, right, right. <laughs> Okay, 10,000 people, that's, that's but it's a free, I think, it's a free yeah, show, I think though. I threw up a little in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. So, I've joked many times about my original equipment. Yes. <laughs> so the two bads are you have to wear the 80s stuff, yeah. unless you enjoy it, which that's fine. Oh, yeah. That's or what I wear on the weekends. Yeah. You have to entertain 10,000 people with the first oh setup God. you ever had. Okay. Hmm. Well, Tony... <laughs> So uh, since these are altered dimensions, does that also mean that I won't be as fat as I am so that when I wear the mesh shirt, it no, won't be quite no, as offensive? No, It's a modern dimension. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, In fact, it might be exacerbated because you've had the time travel. So oh, yeah. it might be yeah. more. Yeah, that whole light speed stuff really... <laughs> messes yeah. with you it's like you know in a vacuum everything expands so <laughs> i'm gonna go with uh dimension a the 80s yeah why not i think it's fun you know and you know there's some really cool gear i mean i'd you know get the old marshall stack out and maybe i know what i would get well, you get your choice you don't have to be stuck with a that. anything you want because it's make-believe yeah i know mm-hmm. but i mean why not have a marshall stack if that's what that's yeah, yeah. and you, you know of course the 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 guitars of the of the day, you know, you remember the old pointy guilds? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Have to have the custom-painted pointy guilds. And, uh, you know, yeah, that would be fun. Because, you know, my original gear and original band, well, I mean, we did okay. Which was in the 80s, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to change. Just. <laughs> no. Okay. No, no. That's... 1982 is when I started. That's what I mean, just. Oh, yeah, yes. just, yeah. <laughs> just out of the 70s. Yeah. Um, so, no, that's what I'm going with. Okay. Despite the the, the disgusting wardrobe, I'll stand in back. <laughs> Jared? That's tough because, well, my first guitar was one of those half-pint Harmony Sears guitars and it had the two single coils and there's it had a volume and a tone. That's all you need. Oh, you just described like eighty percent of the guitars on the market, though. He's talking. He's talking about like the. It's a half pint. It's really oh, small. Oh, It's a full scale, but it's just the, it's just okay. Really thin yes. and oh, very small body. A, yes. yeah. You look like a ukulele on you. And, and I'm glad I got it. Yeah, I'm still thankful I got it. But do you today still have it? I would. Yes, I do. I knew it. It's hanging up in my basement, so I never forget where I came from. Oh. You know what I mean. So but yeah, I'm definitely doing the 80s thing. <laughs> <laughs> Me and I'm Jared. Gonna, I, and, I, yeah. and, and I'm going to look utterly, you know, unappealing. Are you going to do a crop top? <laughs> yeah, whatever I got to do. What, what does it I say? I don't care. You're going to need bigger pants. <laughs> but I'll have, to, I'll have to get the largest electric guitar, like one of those. What, are, what What's that big bass that Gene Simmons plays? The that axe? crazy looking. The, the battle axe one? Or the bat shaped. Or maybe it is a battle axe. Or ba- the ba- I mean, he's kind of famous for the find. battle axe. Well, the biggest things you play the- were like grabbers and rippers. Yeah. yeah. Those, well, whatever. But those are basses. Yeah. Just anything, the largest guitar made to cover up An the L6S. shame. An L6S. There you go. Okay. L6S. Or, or a big Birdland, 
right? Yeah, Ted Nugent played that. And Wait, you, did Ted? you say Paul or Gene? I thought you said Gene. He said Gene. I yeah, said Gene, okay. which is a bass player. But yeah, I'm okay. just saying. Just he, could, a, he could be a bass player. He could. He could be a bass player. Yeah, I'll be a bass player. Yeah, I like that. Just I bet you'd be a good bass player. Yeah, to cover up the shameful look. Yes, Jeff, what are you doing? Uh, definitely Dimension A. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like, can't decide my rig. You know what I mean? Um, I would definitely Dimension A. And and I, you know, I've often thought of this because I graduated high school in 1992. And so I was in the garage in the 80s and we we're playing Cinderella, Warrant, mm-hmm. you That's know, awesome. that kind of stuff. Guns N' Roses even, you know. Kicks. No, I mean, we, I liked kicks, you know what I mean? Wow. But we weren't playing, you know, that kind of stuff. Up. No, we weren't playing super heavy. We were more into like the Hollywood glam, yeah. you know what I mean? Because that was just down the, you know, yeah. just up the road. And I always thought like, man, if I was born two or three years earlier, I absolutely would have been running around on the strip in one of those outfits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it. I like, I grad, you know, it's funny when I started high school, it was, I remember the first day of high school, I'd never seen so many Guns N' Roses t-shirts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then by the end, it was Nirvana, you know, no, Pearl yeah. Jam, Smashing Pumpkins, yeah. you know, yep. the alternative revolution had, had taken place. But so my dimension A, I'm going to get very elaborate here. So do I'll it. Start with the guitar. I, I you know, um, I, Bruce Kulick from Kiss used to play these Charvels that were, I, and I look for them on reverb and stuff and time, but they have the pointy, you know, because mo- most early Charvels have like the Fender type, yeah. you know, headstock, but there was an era where they had the like pointy. Like a Jackson style. Yeah, the Jackson style, because I mean, I don't, I, I, I still get confused on how the two companies merged and all that kind of stuff, but has the Jackson style headstock with the Charvel logo. Um, usually single pickup. The you tilted know. single yeah. pickup. Uh, not necessarily tilted, you know, but then um, some kind of locking tremolo system, mm-hmm. you know, Floyd. Color. Uh, yeah. Um, he had this gold sparkle one that looked really cool. Gold, I, mean, I yeah. can't say no to gold sparkle. And then, <laughs> then I'm going to go uh, for, I think, I got to have a rack. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm going yeah. to go with a rack and I'm going to use... Lexicon. No, the ADA MP1 preamp, you know, and, and uh, so I, if I, you know, because I'm rocking the big stages, I'm going to use some Mesa Boogie power amp. Nice. Definitely have some Roland SDD 3000 delays, some Lexicon <laughs> delays, you know, the yeah. whole MIDI system. Yeah. And then at least and run it stereo. With you know two Marshall four twelves, nice. That's my rig. Yep. Well, no, I stop at four twelves, double stack, well, full stack. Yeah. Come two on, full, two full stacks. Yeah, yes. and then a bunch of fake. Yeah, but back then they were the, those weren't fake. Those like they were still had the full the wall four sound yeah. type of deal. Yeah. Um. Well, I, maybe we've this. Are we starting a band? Is that what's happening? Is that yes, we're all I'm there. We're too, man. Dimension A. Dimension A. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm doing the same thing because I, I mean, we're That's so good. I, we're basically I'm almost coming no out one, of the same no, era. It's no like, one wants to play on their shitty first gear. No, it's <laughs> terrible, terrible. No. And I should have rethought that. Yeah, I, I I'm pretty sure we're gonna play Gazaris for this one, and. Um, we're going to. Uh, I have a full stack of PV, just big, <laughs> giant, every white PV, just a big wall <laughs> of PVs. Yeah. Hmm. Um, 
And I'm. Are you in a country band? <laughs> no, dude. Peavy was like huge in the in that scene. They were. So I'm going Peavy because uh, I because I always thought it looked cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna do a white on white explorer. Oh, okay. Mm. Yes, that's what I'm doing. Hmm. I'm gonna have a good time. Oh yeah, that's a great question. That was a fun good one. That, yeah. that was actually really fun. Yeah, Jared's yeah. two for two this week. <laughs> I know, fantastic. <laughs> well, um, we do have a few people to thank really quick, and then we're gonna let our friend Jeff go here because he's got to entertain a cast of millions thousands. of people millions. this evening. <laughs> seen a million faces, <laughs> yes. lost them all. <laughs> yeah. Gonna be a guitar hero. Yeah. Um. So at this point of the show, Todd, yes. you know. In addition to thanking Jeff for being here, yes. we'd like to thank our executive producers. That's right. Now, you might be wondering, what is an executive producer? And more importantly, how can I become one? Yes. Quite simple. Go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Check out a couple different levels in which you can participate. Become a sponsor, a patron of this very podcast. Uh, each level comes with a great bevy of thank you gifts. But as an executive producer, here's one thing's more. Jeff, what is that? Oh, boy, you're going to put him on the spot. Um, you, you get, get all kinds of access to uh, content <laughs> on the side. <laughs> there you go. That, that's one answer. That's one answer. Yeah, yeah. Jared? You get to have your name read on the thing, too. Your name read yeah, on the thing. That's what I'm going to do right now. Sorry, Jeff, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Oh, I knew, I knew it was something like that. <laughs> So special thanks to these executive producers, Moon Guitars, Vader and Pedals, Drew Lopez, John Halverson, Rick Calhoun, Trevor Gunberg, Elad Mizrahi, Mikey D, Richard Kendall, Mark Garten, Matt Hart, James White, Justin Jones, Anthony Gemalero, Bilgola Guitars, John Esterly, Anthony Lathrop, Stefan Lamb, Michael Senchuk, Ken Sayers, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, John Anglin, Tom Rezin, Rusty Sneeden, Ralph Gottschalk from Wonderful Audio Technology. What? <laughs> David Poe, Don Kloss, Gregory Randall, Brett Hogarth, Eric Hammer. Yes, brand new Eric Hammer. That's right. Brand he new. just joined us, so Welcome. thank you. Welcome. Well, that was a Todd, stop interrupting me. List. Because there's another group oh, of executive right. producers. We call them our grand poobas. That's right. These fine people have a fez to place An upon their head and wear during podcasts. Although our last grand pooba had given his... I think his son stole it. His son stole honest. his fez school. and apparently yeah. wears it every day to school. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's going to have some psychiatric it's good representation. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, special, 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 special thanks to these uh, grand poobas. Tommy Manasco, Ricardo Igareda, David Kaminga, Brandon Wound Pickups, yep. Hex Matos, Michio Murakishi, Bob Crouch, Jack Cadian, Sam Jett, Tyler, KC Rines, LSJ Music Company, John Williams, James Pennington, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Cody Foster, Science of Sound, <laughs> Brian Robison, Jonathan Jerusik from 12th Hour Devices. You know, it's 12 o'clock two times a day. That's right. Corey Nigro, Michael Van Zant, Tim Nowak, Jonathan Daly, Martin Cliff, Sean S. 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 
And Eddie Serratos, thank you, thank you, thank you. Indeed. Thank you all so very much. Keep this thing going, chugging away. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for joining of us course, today. Absolutely. Always my pleasure. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, without going through all of your various Accolades. things, if, if you want to point somebody somewhere to anything. Just use actually my Instagram. If you go to my Instagram, there's um, a link tree to all my other stuff, too. That's the easiest Right port. on. That's the easiest portal. Right on. And you actually do post quite a bit of content, which I is do, cool. I do. I yeah. cleared it all for this one. I'm starting, you know, it's like new era. Nice. So, yeah, <laughs> so lots of fun stuff. Good. Uh, Tony? Uh, head over to pickguardian.com. Check out some of the things that I have available for sale. But by and large, what I do is custom work. So shoot me an email. Yeah. There's a link right on the website. We actually saw a lot of it today. We brought in a bunch of guitars oh, for yes. Jeff to look at. Some of your goldy glitter actually, stuff. all of those had your stuff on there. Well, I no. No? No, Chase. No, no, the, the, the one didn't. Yeah. Yes. Anyways. Yeah. Anyhow, and uh, shoot me an email. Let me know what you need, what you want, what you're trying to do, and I will take very good care of you. Right on. Jared? If you want to ask me anything about pickups, pickup gear, or any of the sort, jared.allen.brandon Instagram. There find you go. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's a long name, but you'll find me. <laughs> All right, you can uh, shoot me an email, Todd, at theguitarnobs.com or send me a DM on Instagram at guitarnobs. We'd love to hear your would-you-rathers, like this fine one that, that uh, Jared just came up with uh, out of his own brain right here. Okay. And uh, we love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. And if you are able to, please get out and go see the pumpkins do their thing because it is a spectacle for sure. You're going to love it. All right, everybody, have a fantastic Guitar Week. Subscribe! Yeah. Yep. And I'm sure every... Let me rephrase that. I started out with a, a mid-sentence thing. I'm sure. Todd, Todd oh, never ask a question that you don't know I the know. answer to already. <laughs> I'm sure. I know. It's so bad. It's, so, it's terrible form. Poor form. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs visit our website at the guitar for all of our past episodes four on the floor blog and other good stuff you can connect with us on social too at our facebook page and share your gear and stories on our facebook group also be sure to check out our instagram at guitar knobs catch you next time